This is the Complete Stories Podcast. The following stories are works of fiction. Unless otherwise indicated, all the names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents in this episode are either the product of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental. All rights reserved. No portion of this podcast may be reproduced in any form without permission from the authors with whom the copyright remains. For permissions, contact thecompletestories at gmail.com or visit thecompletestories.com. The Killer's High by Mitchell Barrett Hopefully, Giselle had stopped raving. Shale bent at the waist and shook out the tension from his lower back. After massaging his wide and sharp jaw, he mouthed to the double-sided mirror, I have got a date at a quarter to eight. I'll see you at the gate, so don't be late. He reached up and fixed an errant strand of hair, turning away from his visage to the sound of the door opening. Detective Shale, Keller said, coming into the room. Shale hated Keller. He was a half-assed cop, but he was all wrapped. I'm glad I finally got a chance to speak to you. I mean, I wanted to speak to you on the Mendez thing, but I think the more pressing issue is what you were doing with Giselle Fikri and where her sister is. Shale had been on the other side of the table many times before. He knew all the tricks and he wouldn't fold. You want to wait for your union rep? My union rep? Nah, I've nothing to hide. We're just talking, right? He smiled, looking up at the clock above Keller's head of thinning hair. Right. Keller smiled, the arrogant prick. One hit to his feminine nose would drop him. Who is this girl to you? That was easy. She's a friend of a friend, Shale said, thinking of this morning. 10 a.m. Cole Shale went to meet up with half the Swindler sister team in one of the penthouse suites of the V in Midtown. From what he'd seen of their videos on the gram, he knew they'd be something to look at. When he rang the bell, the door opened. And it was a rare occasion he had the urge to shout some lewd construction worker, come on, like, do fries come with that shake? He settled on, Miss Fickry. We talked on the phone. He extended his hand to the modern brown goddess, who had on a skin-tight dress with a neckline that plunged down to her impossibly tight stomach, just above the navel. Come in, handsome. She said, already working, Shell. Yeah, this body definitely had some work done on it, Shell thought as she waved him in with a Come on in, detective. All the while wiggling that ass. He tried to read it for a natural dense of cellulite. She stopped suddenly and turned around with a smile. Like what you see? Shale didn't like her already. She was full of herself and covered that ugliness in Chanel, but it shone through. She was ugly. Actually, I was trying to contemplate Aisha, is it? He knew it wasn't Giselle. They looked alike with the same killer dimensions, but they weren't twins. This was the older of the grifters. Yes, I'm Aisha. <laughs> wow, you really are a detective. She said sardonic on sexually. Aisha, I was wondering, could a body as perfect as that be real? She looked shale in his eyes, smiling, head slightly downcast as she walked toward him. He readied himself to catch a slap. She grabbed both his hands, She put the left on her ass and the right on one of her bra-free tits. You an ass or a breast man, Mr. Shale? Tit man, generally. And I insist all women I fondle call me Cole. Do they feel real, Cole? 
Cold Shell gave a few generous squeezes to the dense gelatin-like ass and the overstuffed cotton candy bag-sized breasts. I have to say, they both feel real. Oh, then they were worth every penny. She started laughing, like really laughing. She was one of those who didn't care if anyone else enjoyed her jokes. Playtime is over, Cole. She said after her laugh attack. Only then did he realize he was still squeezing her back, her front. He let go, knowing that had been her goal, to get him aroused and distracted. Her gold digger version of hypnosis. Is your sister going to join us? Giselle was called away, Shale. You'll have to make deal with me, she said, sitting down and crossing her small butterscotch legs. That's too bad. I was hoping to talk to you both at the same time. Well, sorry, Cole, but I think you'll find me a fitting conversationalist. I attended the Sorbonne. And before the police academy, I went to the Daniel J. Travanti acting school. This character you got going is convincing. What character is that? Glad you asked. Cole took a breath. This international sophisticated woman of the world. If I'm not that, what do you think I am? She smiled. Cole read the corners of her mouth and the frustration he was trying to cause her. A five-dollar whore in expensive clothing. Cole saw her flinch. It would be imperceptible to most, but it was there. From the meth head selling ten-dollar tricks to high-priced escorts giving 1,200 GFEs between the sheets of five-star hotels, a whore hated being called a whore. It was an immediate blow to her sense of self-control. Aisha recovered really quickly. You said on the phone that I couldn't afford to not meet you, and mentioned your country's fine penal institutions. Down to bare-ass business, huh? I was sent by a mutual friend. I can't imagine you and I would have mutual friends, Cole. She uncrossed her legs and put her knees on her elbows and leaned forward. Keeping his composure, he said, Mr. Bambetti. You call all your friends Mr. Cole? Or just the ones that could buy your life? Just the ones that bang grifters and get blackmailed. Let's stop being cute. I need the tape, and I'll leave you to whatever you do. Shale heard the click. All too familiar, metallic, small caliber. He quickly did the calculations. A point twenty-five, about six inches from the back of his skull, equaled he was good and fucked. He should have showed himself around when he got there. Rookie mistake. He was only thirty-eight and already starting to slip. Hi, Giselle, he said calmly. He found that women didn't need much provocation to lose it and blow a tunnel right through your thinker. So it was dangerous to be emotional when one had a gun on you. She came out from behind Shale and pointed the gun at his forehead. They were attractive women, these sisters. A little too much effort to be beautiful. They had the wardrobe and makeup and false body parts. The effect was drag-like with the effort. But the raw materials, who these girls would be without it all, was pretty. Why don't you put the gun down and talk? Shale said to Giselle. What do you say I kill you now? Was her reply. Whoa, killing? Let's not even make that an option. Shale smiled at the ladies, letting them know everything was still cool. Sure, like Mr. Mambetti didn't send you here to kill us. Giselle had a slightly high-pitched voice that fit with her big cheeks and slender nose. They looked similar, but Giselle's features gave her a corrupted, naive look that might appeal to the degenerate in Shale if she weren't pointing a gun at his beautiful Irish nose. No, he sent me to recover a tape. Why didn't he call the police? Aisha jabbed. 
Shell theorized she was the brains of this whole thing. There usually was in a duel. I am the police. I mean the real police, not a dirty dick. I think Mambeti just wants to keep it quiet. Giselle whispered something to Aisha, and she came over and started patting Shell down, probing like an amateur who had seen too many cop dramas. It's in the small of my back, Shell said, keeping his eyes on Giselle. Aisha reached around him so close like they were going to make out. It would have been impossible for Giselle to hit him without shooting her sister. He took his gun from his hip and put it right against her tanned chest. Aisha breathed in and tried to get up, but Cheo held her forearm with his other hand. Explain the situation to your sister, Aisha. Aisha? What is it? What's going on? Stay calm, Giselle. Cheo insisted. It's okay, Giselle. He has a gun pointed at my chest. Aisha said. Good job explaining. Cheo grinned in Aisha's face. Now, aside from prostitution and extortion, you ladies haven't done any hard crimes. What'd you think, Aisha? What do your eyes tell you about how this dirty dick gets his money? She just looked wildly at Shell. No longer cool, real fear, and Shell heard urine hitting the floor. No doubt splashing his shoes. She got it. Most likely Giselle would too. Giselle, you still with us? He was thinking she was taking a second too long. Then the ineffable crack of gunfire and Aisha's beautiful face pruned into a rather grimace of pain and she fell onto Shale, her head laying against his chin. His gun was now trained on Giselle's face. Giselle. Shale slipped into his hostage training. You're probably feeling confused and upset by what happened. I understand. I feel that way too. Maybe we can talk about it. Her eyes were red, but she didn't cry. She did look like she was hyperventilating, maybe working up the nerve to finish Shale. She'd take a much bigger hole with his stub nose. But he was hoping it didn't come to that. He had to get her talking. It was an accident. You were maybe aiming at me and you hit your sister. Shut up! She hissed. It's okay. She may not even be dead. But if we don't get her help soon, she will be. Why do you say we end this before it gets worse? She began to close the distance with her big hip stride. There would have been loud clicks of her heels had she not been barefoot, which is how she'd gained ground on him in the first place. Shut up! She said, this time her voice hoarser. Shell smiled, nodding his head like he was an NFL bobblehead on a dashboard that had just hit a pothole. She put the fingers of her left hand on her sister's neck and pointed the gun over that arm like she was at the range. This woman had handled firearms before. Now, Shell could get a look at the thing. It was a vintage Colt .25 with a pearl handle. Shining. Immaculate. Even this girl's murder weapon was couture. Shell looked in her eyes, and he knew he was playing this all wrong. He'd assumed that she, a pretty thing, had taken a shot at him that she couldn't make, and had instead hit her sister. Now he knew this woman knew enough about guns to, if not make that shot, not take it. She'd shot her sister on purpose. Oh, Cole said. Oh, Giselle, listen. Shut up! She said, and her face reddened and finally a big and bright tear fell from her eyes. Listen, killing your sister is one thing, but I'm a police detective. You shoot me and the whole wall of blue will fall on your ass. He did not slacken his gun grip, because as upset as she was, she didn't either. What did she do? 
Your sister, she treat you bad? You've no idea what you're talking about. She was talking. That was good. She all knew he was onto something. Was it her that started you guys on this whole blackmailing path? What am I to do now? She sounded desperate. Listen, it's not hopeless. I can help you if you want. Help me how? Send me to jail? Jail? Hell no. I'll help you out of this jam. Just then, his phone started vibrating in his pocket. Listen, I'm just going to answer that, okay? No tricks. Is it okay? Can I answer? If I don't, my partner will think something's up and come here. Hurry up! She commanded. Cole picked up the phone. It was the precinct. His desk extension at that. This is DT Shale. Cole, this is Bobby. Keller is here. Says he needs you to come in to talk about the Mendez case. Tell him I'm in the middle of an investigation and camp right now. Detective Shale, it's D.T. Keller. Cole's stomach turned. Listen, I'm in the middle... No, you listen, Shale. Something's not adding up about this case. We need to... Maybe seeing something in his eye, Giselle reached over and took the phone from Shale's ear. She held it to her own and listened for a few more seconds before she hung up and powered the phone off. What sort of help can you offer me? Giselle asked. All that was left of her earlier moment of emotion was the trail of a tear streak through her makeup. A lot. Go get the shower curtain liner, the plastic one from the bathroom, and bring it here. 6.13pm. So, began Keller's partner, it's your story that you never met Aisha, that she wasn't in the hotel room. Hey, Shell said, I wasn't there looking for a family reunion. I was just meeting with a friend. Yeah, friend of a friend, we got that. Johnson, that was the other rat's name, or Jackson. Shell didn't care. It's the truth, Jackson. Johnson, isn't that what I said? Shell smiled. If looks could kill, they'd both be dead. And you guys went uptown for... 11.53 a.m. They had Aisha wrapped up in the shower curtain liner. One of her tits had finally popped out of her dress. The hazelnut-colored nipple was pressed up against the plastic. A small caliber pistol at fairly close range. There was no visible blood spatter. Maybe traces on the tile. No doubt some in her hair. Shale had a spot of blood from her nose on his shirt, so had taken it off and was shirtless standing over the body. He'd had Giselle clean up the piss, but even if that remained, it wasn't proof of shit, except maybe a nervous bladder. Here, Giselle said, handing him a shirt. The kind of thing girls slept in when they were on their rag. It was fairly large for a girl's shirt, because those girls had a lot of body to fit in them. It was black and pink with an abstract drawing of a woman's face on it, but it was safer than walking out with a bloody shirt on. So, listen, before I help you any further, I'm going to need something from you, Shell said, putting the shirt on. It was an odd fit, loose around the bottom, tied in the middle. Giselle looked at him, doe-eyed and innocent suddenly. Her programming kicked in, and she touched the neckline of her dress, nearly as low as Aisha's, and began to finger it, exposing that much more of her breast. What do you want? She asked with a glump out of doubt and expectation. The tape, Giselle. I need the tape you have of Mabeti. Oh. She said. I mean... Listen, Giselle. You're out of wild cards. Give me the tape, and I'll keep you out of jail. Let's not forget I'm a law enforcement official that just saw you murder your sister. Now give me the goddamn tape. She went into the bag and felt around the lining, returning with not a tape, as this was the new millennium. It was a USB drive. 
Small black, and on it, enough to send the small country Shale had never heard of into a fucking uproar. You got a condom, Shale asked. Once again, her doe-eyed come on, pulling down the top of her dress. Listen, honey, we are not going to bone in the middle of a murder scene. But I know your banger sisters got condoms everywhere. Go get me one. Off again, she came bounding back as she hurried and handed him a Japanese condom that boasted it was extra thin. He opened the wrapper and pulled his pants down in the back, moon-style. He put the drive in the condom and nodded it while Giselle watched. He locked eyes with her as he shoved the drive up his ass with a grunt. He pulled his pants back up. Great, here's a five, Shell said, digging in his wallet. Go across to the pharmacy and get a replacement shower curtain. Not long later, he stood in the bathroom door as Giselle hung the new shower curtain. Good. Now get me the biggest bag you got, preferably one of Asia's. She came into the sitting area from the foyer with a suitcase that was large, but not quite big enough for a human body. Especially one with the expensive endowments this Asia had added on. She could use a suitcase for her ass alone. He reached under her shoulders and looked up at Giselle, who stood there staring, mouth relaxed, brow slightly wrinkled. You want to grab her feet? Shell barked. Giselle sprung into action and grabbed her sister's feet, wrapped in plastic like yesterday's leftovers. They got her top part in the suitcase no problem. It was her hindquarters that would take a little of the old heave and hoe. Grab that trash bin by the desk, Shell said. Giselle looked confused but went to retrieve it, with her unnatural porn star bounce that made the situation seem even more absurd. Hold it up about shoulder high. She held the bin up in front of her chest, arms bent at the elbows. Shell nodded his approval, then bent Aisha's lower portion of her body up over the top half and began to stomp on her spine and ass with his brogues. Gas pushed its way between the big, solid silicon cheeks. He began to feel her spine giving, the elasticity seeming to leave. Her legs no longer wanted to spill over the floor. He no doubt severed the spinal cord. He heard between his footfalls Giselle tossing her guts into the waste bin. He caught her over as he covered her folded gold digger sister with the hard top of the suitcase. Come, let's make use of your large investment. Come on, sit down. She sat on top of the case, eyeing Cheryl with a vicious eagle-like stare. Was it the wisecrack about her rump? or that she just watched him mangle the corpse of her sister. He hoped the zipper would hold, and luckily these girls didn't skimp on any item, including their luggage. He got it zipped all the way closed and fell to the floor beside it, out of breath and laughing, sweaty. Phew, that was a lot of work, Shell said. Giselle was looking at him, unamused. That was my sister, she said without a hint of humor in her voice. Whose head you put a bullet in? Your sister left the building, now, her corpse is a silicon-stuffed problem. Let's go. Cole had her pack a bag for her sister with her passport in it, then a bag for herself with her passport in it. She had to travel light. Cheryl could see she hated to leave the possessions she'd amassed, but being on the lam was going to be a more quiet lifestyle than this social media darling was used to. They left the room with sunglasses on, Cole wearing a pair borrowed from the broken girl in the bag, gold aviators that wouldn't disguise him really, but the object was to just create reasonable doubt should this ever get to court. Can you be sure that was my client? The suspect was wearing dark glasses, that sort of shit. When Shell came in, he had been mindful of where the cameras were, not hiding from them, just always facing away. The plan didn't change now. In fact, it was more important with a body in tow. 
They got to the elevator bank and a bellhop came from an adjacent room. Sir, you should have called. I'll get the luggage trolley. Won't be necessary, Cole smiled. He could feel Giselle's breath deepen. We got it from here. But the guy kept on down the hall, no doubt hustling for tips. Cole saw him coming back, hand raised, toting the trolley. The elevator dinged and Shell hustled Giselle on, hit L, and punched door close repeatedly until the bellhop's calls of, Sir, sir, faded into the ambient elevator music. The elevator stopped at the eighth floor. Witnesses, close proximity, problems. Shell turned to Giselle and put his free hand on her waist. He would not let go of the handle of the suitcase that held the corpse. She looked up at him, and he pressed his lips to hers. She turned her head like she was disgusted, even though she was the one who tasted like upchuck and mouthwash. He was sure the couple that got on could see that. For their sake, and to get Giselle on board, he said, Come on, baby, you know how I am when I drink. She seemed to catch on and pressed her collagen-stuffed lips against his. He moved the hand down to the back of her dress, and after a few seconds it didn't feel like an act. They necked until they heard the ding of the elevator, followed by the couple exiting and the bustle of the bustling lobby. She reached up and grabbed his face, roughly squeezing his cheek like a store owner that caught a neighborhood kid stealing. But she didn't do anything. That's when he saw it in her eyes, iridescent like batshit in a cave. Since his years out of the academy when he was a flat-footed rookie busting down doors of slums to break up domestics, he noted a phenomenon. He and his old partner Briggs, who was no longer with the earthen world, dubbed it the killer's high. People wondered how a housewife after murdering her preacher husband can find it in herself to destroy evidence and then put on an Emmy-worthy performance for law enforcement. How a sheltered daughter who teams up with a bad boyfriend to stab her parents in their sleep can find it in her to skip town and go on a two-day party adventure. That is the killer's high. Shale liked to imagine the reason was the rush of adrenaline from the murder. Simple result of fight-or-flight response, increase to the heart rate pumping blood into the muscles, increase in strength, a flood of oxygen to the brain, a sense of lightheartedness follows. Then, they are looking down at the deceased, a major accomplishment as they have deaded the asshole that has caused them untold amounts of shit. Shale imagined Aisha was either dead weight that had caused his presence in their hotel, or she was the founder of their business and had pimped out and oppressed Giselle. Whatever the reason, Giselle got that adrenaline rush after she popped her sister. But killing a relative is too much emotion. So when the adrenaline started to wear off and the disgust came about, especially watching a man she doesn't know stuff a suitcase with the remnants of her sister, her body needed something else, so it upped the endorphins. Her mind knew she needed for things to be alright, even though she did this horrific thing. So it sent chemical happiness into her brain, and the result was what Shell saw before him. A confused and exalted woman. The elevator door closed again, as they didn't press a button. He moved back and slapped her across her cheek, then dove back in, and they really went at it now. Yeah, she was as good as a parent murdering teenage girl, hot and ready to pop. If he didn't have the stiff in the bag, he'd introduce her to the one in his pants. Somebody pressed the elevator, and they walked out holding hands. Shell? Detective Shell? Shell felt his nuts prune like two plums. He'd been spotted at the perfect time for a grand jury investigation. He had the split-second desire to book it, leave Asia, literally holding the bag. After all, he had the USB drive held tight in his sphincter. He no longer needed her. But no, 
His fingerprints were all over this mess. A woman like her would more than likely drop the bag on the curb next to a pile of garbage where, even if it wasn't discovered by a hobo looking for something to sell, it would sit on the curb stinking, awaiting discovery. It was too risky. He'd take his body on, and so he had to turn his head just slightly. Sean Scholes was wearing a t-shirt and bike shorts. He was a flatty, fresh out of the academy, that had just made the near-lateral move to the cycling unit. He was the poster boy for young, dumb, and full of cum. At 28, a full 10 years younger than Shale, he was all muscle and dumbbells and ready to charge into anything to prove his manhood. Only dumb luck would keep him alive till retirement. Hey, Sean, what's shaking? Got a pickpocket. Hoping to get some footage from the hotel's perimeter cams, he said, giving Shale an overly enthusiastic handshake. Good. Hope you make a collar. Shell said. He could have said something derogatory about how Scholes' mother spent her Friday evenings, and Scholes wouldn't have heard it because he was too focused on Giselle's stacks. And you are? Scholes said, extending his hand to Giselle. Aisha, she said, before Shell could let Scholes know it was none of his business. Now that she had said it, he knew the bike jockey wouldn't forget it. The transcript of the thoughts inside Shell's head will be something like, fuck, fuck, fuckity, Fuck, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck. A lie told created a whole different scenario. Now, if they started looking for Aisha, Scholes would swear in court, just to make his bones, that he had seen Shale with her in the lobby. Scholes, buddy, I'll see you later, Shale said, grabbing Giselle's hand and pulling her along. Just then, the strap of her overnight bag popped, and she let out a surprised squawk as the bag fell to the ground. I got it, Scholes said. No, it's not necessary. Shell said, dashing for the bag without letting go of the more important bag he was told him, or the one with Aisha's passport on his shoulder. Scholes, younger and faster, got to the bag first and was already seated on a lobby sofa analyzing the break of the strap. You are in trouble, Scholes said. Shell could feel Giselle tighten up again. She didn't know that overstating was one of Scholes' more charming habits. He had a host of other ones far worse. The plastic MacGuffin you looped the bag around broke? Plastic wasn't strong enough. It's a good bag, too. You just overstuffed it. I have an idea. He hopped to his feet. Let me split the stuff between your three bags, he said, reaching for the Asia-stuffed bag. To be continued in the next episode.